Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Raven Slayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Lady Boy Chi a sex expert, a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. You're listening to another edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. I'm Lady Boy Chi-Chi, and I have Paul and Damien with me. Hey, guys. Hi. <laughs> Paul came up with the topics for tonight's show, so I'm going to let him introduce it. For tonight's topic, we're going to cover intro to doming. Uh, and I think w- when it comes to doming, there's a lot of like really important characteristics you've got to look for. And qualities that you should try to strengthen if you want to be a good dom. I think the most important one is communication. You will need discipline to be a good dom. You will need basic empathy and caring for your subs so that you don't break them. You need to have an eagerness to learn. And there are more qualities, but I think those are like really the top four I can think of. I think it's important to develop some skills in some BDSM play activities. Mm -hmm. That's real important, but Mm -hmm. also the psychological as well as the physical play. Mm -hmm. And so it takes some learning and studying and just really coming to terms with how to work with another person. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, I wrote a book called The Dominance Handbook, <laughs> The Intimate Guide to BDSM. And in there, I cover a lot of material. In fact, we even cover the spiritual aspects of BDSM. But anyway, I'm going to turn it back to y'all. <laughs> I think another little, I guess, Thing to add to that list is being open to feedback is very important when you're starting out. Just uh, really listening for feedback from your submissive and also from learning from others who have more experience. I think that one thing that like is important, there are a lot of people that are more geared to be a dom or a top than a submissive or a bottom, but... I think that it's important to have some experience on the other side of the paddle before you like start wielding it. Because if you don't know 
what it's like to have a lot of these things done to you, it's very difficult to know where you're bringing your sub to, and you want a pretty good idea of exactly where you're bringing them. And I think it helps a lot if you spend a little bit of time having people do scenes with you, especially from, I would say, like, find a, a dom or a master or a top that has a style that you would like to emulate or at least have like some similarities with. <laughs> and you could definitely take bits and pieces from different tops that you like, like different techniques that they use and make your own. Mm -hmm. I think it's also important to understand the dynamics and the properties of a scene because the scene isn't just whack em, smack em. <laughs> There's a lot that goes into it. Do you want to cover how a scene works and what you have to do before the scene? Yeah. So <clears throat> it kind of depends. If you are planning on playing with a person several times, if it's someone that you know in real life and plan on like continuing to do scenes with them, I think that it's important to do what we call the BDSM interest evaluation. And even if you meet like at a play party or at camp out or somewhere where they're doing BDSM that you're less likely to run into them again, or at least not regularly, it's still important to do at least a, a modified cut down version of it. In the BDSM interest evaluation, you're going to cover several things. You're going to cover uh, what the sub likes, what they don't like, uh, their, their boundaries, the things that they absolutely won't do. Uh, you're going to also figure out uh, if they have anything like a pinched nerve or an old injury or a bad hip or circulation issues or diabetes, any kind of medical condition, and also like psychological things, if they have any bad triggers from past trauma, anything like that. And then like an idea of what their experience is, what like, like level they would describe themselves as like, as far as like pain that they can handle and things like that. Is there anything else that you can think that goes into the negotiation or interest well, evaluation? I think the other thing is if you're going to be having sex during the scene, you need to talk about safe sex practices. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people don't like to mix sex with BDSM. Mm -hmm. Some people do. And so that's part of the negotiation process. Mm -hmm. And then after you complete the evaluation, then it's time to negotiate what you want to do for your scene, mm -hmm. for the particular scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, negotiating for the scene can involve picking out implements that you want to use or different kinds of toys, like finding out if they want to do, like, electrical play or impact play or any number of things. Uh, you also want to discuss what their aftercare needs are because aftercare is one of the most important parts of BDSM and of, of doing a scene that a lot of people overlook sometimes. And it's important for the top and the bottom. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. All this happens before the scene takes place. And then when you start the scene, it's important to do a warm-up and negotiate what's good for your warm-up. Mm -hmm. You don't want to just go in <laughs> paddles blazing, so mm -hmm. to speak. You want to take some time and start building up those endorphin levels mm -hmm. just very slowly and gradually. I think of a dominant as a type of shaman. You're taking a sub partly on an internal journey into subspace mm -hmm. through 
the use of physical means and psychological means. There's so many different activities. Some people are into just rope bondage, no pain whatsoever. Mm. But even with rope bondage, you want to do some warm-up activities first. Because mm -hmm. part of being constrained is <laughs> a form of, I won't say torture, but a form of control and power exchange. Mm -hmm. One of the things that's good for, for warm-ups, if you have any sensory toys, sensory toys really help to kind of awaken the, the nerves and get them ready to experience different kinds of sensation. One of the things that's important, it, like depending on the kind of play that you're doing, uh, there's different things that need to go in different orders. If you're going to do anything that causes like blood, like needle play yeah. or cutting or anything like that, which is not something you should be doing like uh, starting out, starting out. But you, this is just an example. You would want to do that towards the end. You don't want to get them bloody and then have to worry about the blood the whole time. Yeah, definitely. If you're going to be doing multiple types of play, you got to plan it out properly. Like if you're going to include wax play, that's going to be another one that you're going to want to put at the end because that's messy. <laughs> yeah, I think the other part that a lot of people leave out, and I do this with Paul during our scenes, and this is something you wouldn't want to do it with everybody, but I have him keep a journal and report in on things before we start the scene. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good exercise to create these rituals that get you into the right mindset mm -hmm. before you start the scene. Preparing headspace is really important. It's kind of like if you want to go out on a date, you don't just come home from work and immediately go out on a date. Mm -hmm. You go through your rituals of taking a shower and making yourself look more pretty or handsome and then you go through little virtuals mm -hmm. and it kind of prepares your headspace mm -hmm. and so i think preparing one's headspace for the scene is really important mm -hmm. as the dom too if you know that you have a scene that night getting yourself ready to do the scene and thinking and planning out like how you want it to be and what your expectations are. Like, it, it's interesting because when you're doing a scene with someone, it's equal parts, like, planned out and then spontaneity. Like, some of the best stuff is stuff that's, like, spontaneous. But also mm -hmm. a lot of the things that make it a really good scene are things that you plan in advance. And you need to be able to shift between those two modes. Fairly well. Going back to negotiation, it's good to have a. I think the best technique to go for negotiations to have both inclusive and exclusive. So, like exclusive are going to be the limits; those are the things that are absolutely not on the table. And then inclusive is going to include things that you definitely want to do and things that are like on the table, but you know, don't need it right now. So that's like you can use those other aspects of things that are included to you know make the scene a little spicy, a little spontaneous, mm -hmm. <laughs> spontaneous. Yeah. And on my BDSM interest evaluation, I have several columns for different activities. It's intensely like, like, uh, unsure, dislike, or intensely dislike, or fear. Mm -hmm. And there's some things that are scary mm -hmm. <laughs> that we do. Yeah. And fear is a kind of an interesting column because it's something if you're working with someone long term, you can start addressing some of those fears. Mm -hmm. Fear is an interesting phenomenon because usually wrapped up in the fear is some something from the past mm -hmm. that needs to be explored a little bit. Yeah. And sometimes hidden, hidden deep in that past thing is a kink. Uh -huh. <laughs> True. Actually, that's why I like your journaling idea. I think that'd be good for 
both like prepping for a scene and also it'd be good to like include in your aftercare like following this discussion of like what you liked from the scene what you didn't like what could be changed it's it mm-hmm. would help like i think facilitate the conversation yeah yeah and uh, for aftercare i don't review the scene till at least a few hours afterwards i like to have do the aftercare to help bring the submissive back to mm-hmm. the here and now because they've been on an in- internal journey. Mm-hmm. And then the next day is, or the few hours after the scene, that's when it's good to do the review of the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would do that the next day. But I mean, in my book, aftercare doesn't stop right after the scene. Like that's going to continue for a few days after just to make sure everything's. Good. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like one of the things about aftercare is it, it's very personal. What is like what one person needs another person would hate and vice versa some things that might be included in aftercare physical affection like a comfort food water water (laughs) water like before the scene during the scene and after the scene for me like i i like some affection but i also can't really talk for a while afterwards so like also kind of need some space and in a weird way like i like to be affectionate but i don't but i i really am not in the headspace to like do a a whole lot of communication afterwards Mm -hmm. um i've known people who like really like stuffed animals and things like that uh weighted blankets there are all sorts of things. A lot of times what I think of is like, what comforted you as a child? <laughs> and like starting from there. And from the top's perspective, I don't really, personally, I don't need aftercare really immediately after a scene. That's, I mean, immediately after the scene, it's just when I do whatever the bottom needs, but I will need it like the next day after because I'll experience some drops. So I need like reinsurance. Like, did you really have a good time? <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's important, for example, Gigi has a, a mentor, and Gigi is my mentor. I think that it's important for doms to have other doms to talk to, because if you're having a problem with your sub, like you need to talk it out with your sub, but you might need to have a sounding board for like what that conversation is going to be like. Or a lot of times, especially if you're new, having a more experienced dom to talk to they might say well you handled it this like this i would have handled it this way and everyone's style is different and you might still disagree but a lot of times it's a good like first step to because no one's perfect like me and Gigi have built up a ton of trust but like there's two or three times when something didn't get communicated correctly and it wasn't all my fault it wasn't all Gigi's fault when you're doing something as intense as bdsm there there's bound to be some miscommunications or things like of that nature and like having another dom to talk to when one of those miscommunications happens helps a lot Mm -hmm. and also for the dom You've brought out a part of yourself that's the monster, the bad mm-hmm. guy, the sadist. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just need to process that with somebody mm-hmm. after the scene mm-hmm. and say, hey, you know, I really got into this and mm-hmm. I discovered, ooh, the sadist in me really likes to watch my little submissive squirm and writhe in pain and it does something good for me. Mm-hmm. And- and it took some time for me to process that and feel comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, being a sadist is not as easy as it looks, <laughs> especially starting out. I know recently we had a scene with Paul where we had a new, previously exclusively bottom tryout topping for the first time. And yeah, I was just trying to like give that research to them like, yeah, no, this feels weird. This feels wrong at first, but 
as long as it's consensual and enjoyed and Paul's very good at providing feedback, like mm-hmm. positive feedback that they're having a good time, then, you know, everything's good. Mm-hmm. And I would like to say that it is a role-playing scene. You're playing different roles. The submissive's playing one type of role and the dominant's playing another type of role. And role-playing, it's kind of getting in a little bit into the fantasy realm. You're mm-hmm. playing out certain fantasies. And it's something you wouldn't do in real life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't go into a workplace and slap the boss on the face. <laughs> might want to. I might want to, but... <laughs> Frowned upon. It would not be appropriate. Mm-hmm. But within a BDSM scene, it is appropriate, mm-hmm. as long as it's been negotiated. Yeah. Believe me, the sub gets as much out of it as the dom does, mm-hmm. if it's done right. If it's done right. A couple of things I would like to address. First of all, the advice they give to parents is the same advice that you should take as a dom, and that is never strike your sub in anger. You can't, like, a lot of times when you are doing a scene, you might be working through feelings like when you have a really frustrating week, sometimes it really helps to take out that energy on a willing sub. And that's okay as long as you are conscious about that and remain in control. Because Remaining in control is the most important job of a dom. You should never lose control. And we talked a lot about before and after the scene. Let's talk a little bit about the scene, because the scene is a kind of orchestrated event, and you want to be prepared. One of the things I do to prepare myself is I take a, what I call a ritual bath before the scene and play out in my mind how the scene's going to transpire. And it doesn't have to be that way exactly, but it kind of gets me in that headspace. And it gets me kind of planning out how I want to do the scene and what all I want to include in it. And sometimes it doesn't go exactly as I planned it during the ritual bath, but Mm -hmm. it's, A good exercise. I know a lot of actors do the same thing before they get on the stage. They kind of play out in their mind what they're going to do on stage Mm -hmm. ahead of time. And it really helps to make the scene go so much better. I think it especially would help if you're nervous about it, too, to have like, you know, like a game plan in your head. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, starting out, you might feel like, "Oh, I'm not sure exactly what I'm doing." <laughs> but then again, I do, I do really recommend getting involved in your local kink scene to learn. I think that's the best way to be learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like watching a lot of scenes. You know, a- as important as it is, I think to have BDSM done to you before you uh, do it to other people. It's also important to to watch a lot of scenes, especially scenes with experienced people, especially if they are experienced people who is playing with someone you plan on playing with. That can be really, really important because you get to see both of their dynamics. You get to see what the sub likes. You get to see how the dom does what they're doing and different rhythms. Like with BDSM, it A lot of it gets into rhythm. It gets into knowing the the places that you're going to hit, the the way each of the toys, like, feel to use. Like, it's different from swinging, like, a cane, then then a paddle, then a flogger. Floggers are actually kind of unwieldy, and you have to get into a regular rhythm with them and you have to focus a lot and practice on a pillow first Mm, yeah (laughs) i mean 
that's another good thing from like learning from the community is that they'll give you pro tips and like how to practice like certain types of play and certain even toys you're going to need to practice away from the bottom before you actually use it like vloggers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now i remember when i was researching for my book i watched a scene that was really hot it was a knife edge play scene mm -hmm. and i mean the person doing it was so experienced and he made it look so sexy and some of the statements he said mm -hmm. to submissive as he was about to draw the knife across her body and she was getting goosebumps just hearing him before he even applied the knife mm -hmm. and then when he did apply the knife it was like the tension in the room you could feel it it was just he had built up the anticipation and mm -hmm. he had some techniques that he threw in that mm -hmm. really made the scene sizzle. I mm -hmm. mean, I had an instant erection <laughs> watching this thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was so hot. <laughs> so during a scene, you are going to want your toys in the order that you're go going to use them. And one good way to do that is to have the sub place the toys to build the anticipation for the scene and start getting them in the right headspace. And then one of the things that Gigi does that I like a lot is when he makes me get into the position and s sit in that position and just kind of think about what's going to happen to me and clear your head, telling your sub to... Because one of the things that you really want to do is to get your sub, sub out of like the analytical thinking part of their head and get them more into, you know, the visceral experience, emotional side and of intuitive side, of intuitive the side <laughs> of the brain. I also like telling them to take deep breaths before and during the scene. If you notice that they haven't taken a breath in a while, you can pause and tell them to, you know, take a few deep breaths. Another thing that I like during a scene is after you get done using one toy, don't immediately switch to the next toy. Maybe like go and smoke a cigarette or, you know, drink some water, walk away and have them not know when the next thing is coming. I like to actually mix in like some just skin to skin contact, just like touching their skin and maybe mm -hmm. massaging a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm sadistic, so I like to look for bruises that are forming and press on them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's really, really good to go from the soft and sweet to to like really digging in and having them not know where the next hit is going to land. That's really, really hot. <laughs> I think that goes along with timing too, just like creating a rhythm for your scene, but also like making it a little bit unpredictable for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and one of the things I enjoy doing is what I call the fake out. It's a mind fuck. And I go, okay, are you ready to take five really hard ones? <laughs> and then I'll rear back as if I'm going to hit them real hard and then come in and just barely tap them. In. And it's like, you know they all tense up and get ready for that strike and it doesn't come <laughs> and and then i sometimes wait until i see that they've relaxed before i do lay a heavy blow on them mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the most fun <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. and like one one thing that it like you can do that i i think works very well is telling them not to tense up also, if you happen to have a really bratty sub, sometimes denial is one of the meanest, cruelest things you can do for a brat. <laughs> True. <laughs> because, I mean, I guess what a brat does really is just trying to egg you on, trying to, you know, get what they want, which is they want the punishment or the punishment. Mm -hmm. So, like, denying them that, perfection. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, one of the things that Gigi does a lot that I enjoy is breath play have them take the deep breaths and breathe throughout the scene and then tell them okay now hold your breath and don't breathe until i say that it's okay and one of the 
important things with that is not restricting their breath, but having them do it. Because if they are holding their breath, even if they hold their breath until they like pass out, you will see them go limp and you can then take care of them. Whereas if you're restricting their breath, you can, you can have really bad problems. Yeah. I think this might be a good time to mention that uh, any kind of breath play is considered edge play. And edge play is going to be the things that are kind of outside of safe activities. Like there's no real 100% way to do these things safely, but you do them as safe as you can. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my, we're already to station break. <laughs> and I'd like to take a moment and just give some thought to attending one of our webinar trainings. We've started them on Sunday afternoons at one o'clock. Currently, we're working on body image healing. And this is something that I don't think anybody living in a sex-negative culture can walk away undamaged at some level or another. And so body image healing can be very powerful in helping you really improve your confidence and love the body that you have and really experience a better connection with yourself. And so visit my website. It's ravenslayerleather.com. And on the video training tab, I have a form to fill out to join us on this webinar and we give it for each training i send out materials and action steps to take and things to do to really get into the experience of healing your body image the way you feel about your body anything you want to add to station break Yes, we have two other websites, ggwilber.com. Uh, that is Gigi's sex coaching site. So if you enjoy what we do here, but you would like a little more like tailored experience, if you have specific things that you need to work on and work through, that's one of the places where sex coaching can really come in handy. And then we have ladyboytemple.com, which is our website to let you know the events that we're doing in person and also different online events that we do throughout the year to build a community. <laughs> Make this Christmas memorable with Goat Guns. Get the coolest miniature gun models for your collection. From historical classics to modern weapons, we have something for every firearm and hobby enthusiast. Surprise your loved ones with the gift of Goat Guns, the perfect blend of quality and detail. Shop now and spread the joy at GoatGuns.com. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. <laughs> so back to our topic we're talking about bdsm and specifically how to be a good dominant and really learn how to do a scene mm -hmm. like another good thing during a scene is taking care of yourself making them drink water making sure that they like breathe when they need to 
checking in with them, especially if you've been going hard for a while, checking their like body language and what they're talking about, doing it like asking them, are you okay? Do you need a break? Do you need this or that? That's really, really important. Mm-hmm. And then I think during a scene, part of it is getting into a rhythm and getting into whether you're doing hot wax play or or flogging or knife play or whatever play you're doing. Kind of getting into a rhythm of it and letting the scene flow. It's really amazing how much better it pulls off if you kind of get into a flow of, and rhythm of the scene. Mm-hmm. And it kind of takes the sub. One of the things I do often when I'm paddling somebody is I'll do the heartbeat rhythm. And that's hits a more primal part of ourselves. Mm-hmm. It takes us a little deeper into the journey. So there's different techniques you can use as you're playing mm-hmm. with the rhythm and that can really help transport the scene even deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like to think of it kind of like you're t- telling a story. And when you tell a story, you want an introduction, which is the warm-up. You want the building action where you're ramping up the scene and building on it. Uh, sometimes in a good story, there's a twist where like everything changes like and kind of like makes them like forces them into a different headspace and mindset. And that's like one of the places where it's good to do that. The mind fuck and the fake out and things like that. Uh, then a lot of times during a scene, you'll ramp up and up and up towards a crescendo, and then you want to do like like a cool down, like it's like the conclusion of the story when you're wrapping it up, and then aftercare and stuff like that. And then the next day, I usually do what's called after scene review and kind of go over. How did this work? How did that work? Uh, what stood out for you? What were the good parts of the scene for you? Mm-hmm. And for both the sub and the dom, because it's you're both playing a role, mm-hmm. so both of you need to be reviewing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's important to be open to that feedback, because not everything's going to go right in a scene, so they might mention, oh, maybe we could have done this differently, so... Do not take it personally. Like, this is going to help you be a better dom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I learned from a shaman, one of the things that I do with scenes is I set an intention for the scene. And by setting an intention, it really gives you the guideposts as you do the scene. Without setting an intention, you're just kind of going, wandering aimlessly. Mm-hmm. But by setting an intention, it's kind of setting your goals for the scene. What do you want to pull off during the scene? And that really helps guide the scene and helps with the flow of the scene. Mm -hmm. And like one of the important things when you have a sub that you're going to be working with on a regular (laughs) basis is paying attention to not just what they say, like what they bring up, but their body language throughout the whole thing, if you see that they really, really like something, that's something you should do more of in the future. If you see them like turning inside or like something that they didn't really enjoy, knowing that that's something that you probably shouldn't do so much of, or at least like explore why they had the reaction that they did. Um, and another important part of the after scene review is checking for sub drop and sub drop is something that happens sometimes for people particularly people who have different mental health issues where you have built up all of this dopamine and the serotonin and oxytocin 
and you're flying high, you're doing so good. And then sometimes the next day you are depleted of serotonin and dopamine and figuring out if they've gone into subdrop, you can't, one of the things Gigi does is sometimes he'll do a light scene the next day. You don't want to go real hard and heavy. You just want to build up some of some more of those chemicals just a little bit to get the receptors like flowing again and working right. So actually anyone can experience subdrop and also top drop or dom drop. So that can happen to anyone and it can happen. I think it usually happens the next day, at least for me it does. It's like when you're coming down from that high because what goes up must come down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd like to kind of go over some of the techniques that you find help with the scene. What what kind of works for each of you that makes it really more spectacular? <laughs> because there are so many different kinds of play, um, you will find naturally that you gravitate t- towards certain kinds of play and are less into other kinds of play. And I think a lot of times it depends on the interplay between the sub and the dom. Uh, there might be some subs that you love doing degradation for, for, for example, but some subs you really, really don't, even if they're into it. The chemistry between the two of y'all isn't, you know, right. So figuring out like what in general you prefer and also what in particular with specific subs you prefer is really important. Well, I think uh, just building rapport with the submissive is just, it makes for the best scenes, really. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I really enjoy is uh, genital torture. Mm-hmm. I love torturing both the vulva and the cock and balls. That <laughs> can be so exquisite in a way to really help get to that more personal level. I mean, there's just so much on the psychosexual level when you get into genital torture. <laughs> but what are some of your favorite activities? I I particularly like some of the devices that you use because I like the uh, ritual of it. I mean, like Gigi has ball crushers, and you have to like get them like loaded into it. And slowly, like, tighten it and have it go, like, screw it down and making it tighter and stuff like that. I like the, like, placing the pads for the TENS unit. I like things that take some, like, prep work and that are, are kind of unique. That's one of the reasons I, I like needles because there's so much that goes into it. There's, like, using alcohol to clean off someone like having all of your stuff prepped and sterile putting on the gloves and each of these things you make the doing of the thing part of the scene so like if you're putting on gloves you can like stretch them and like make them pop and that sound you know is something they start to associate with with that particular activity that's why I like getting loaded into the device because all of the steps that it takes to to get yourself set up like become part of the scene and I know for me like I really look forward not just to like the the feeling of having the device used on me but all of the things that kind of go into it I think this would be a good time to note that if you don't like the more extreme stuff as a dom or sub, don't feel bad about it. That's not for everyone. Genital torture is not for everyone. <laughs> I personally like doing it to people, but I probably would never do it myself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's fine to play at the lower levels. But I mean, I think a lot of the things we discuss is good for any level of play, the more heavy stuff or even the lighter things. But mm-hmm. also, I think it's good to be open to uh, new types of play. So if you even like 
certain types of play seem like, oh, I don't know if I'd be into that. Open your horizons. You may enjoy it. You may not. It's good to try new things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I always check out with an experienced Dom and learn everything first before I start practicing it. Oh, yeah. It's really important to know what you're doing because we're doing stuff that's a little bit dangerous or could be. Mm-hmm. And knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. If you know how in practice is power. Mm-hmm. If you know what you're doing and you practiced it, then you're ready for anything that may come up during that scene. I, I think another important thing is getting a basic idea of first aid. There's all sorts of online resources that you can use to learn basic first aid. It's important to like have your phone ready in case you have to call 911. And one thing that's important is err on the side of caution. Like, don't be worried that you're going to get in trouble if you have to call the hospital because you're going to get in a lot more trouble if you have a sub that gets seriously injured instead of just a little injured. Safety Mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. And one area that I also enjoy is fire play. Mm -hmm. And fire play can be really amazing. Mm -hmm. And I've done it with a lot of people. I've even done it in combination with the violet wand, using Mm -hmm. the violet wand to set the flames off. It's amazing how the body can take certain things in certain ways, but you have to learn the techniques and how to do it right and safely. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that that reminds me of is there are certain kinds of play that are really impressive for a crowd. Like, mm-hmm. for example, there are like forms of fire play that really don't hurt at all, but it's a crowd pleaser. Uh, same thing with the violet wand. Like, yes, if you crank up the violet wand, it can be really, really intense. But at the lower levels, it's not very intense at all and still is a real crowd pleaser. And one of the things I know as a sub, I love to show off. I'm an attention whore, so I love it when people love what's happening. Mm-hmm. So like having a few things like that in your repertoire that look really, really intense, but are actually more on the mild side, can be really, really interesting and, you know, really, really help. I think we're going to circle back to uh, sub drop and dom drop real quick. Uh, So going through a scene, your endorphins are going to get high for both sides of the slash. So those are going to drop eventually and you're going to feel the opposite basically of what you felt during that scene and that i think it feels generally the same for both sides but it might feel different for each individual personally for me it feels like fatigue like physical fatigue and then like an emotional like ugh, like a lull but it's a little different for everyone mm-hmm what are some of the things you do to help with sub drop or dom drop? Uh, I think for both sides, it's good to be mindful of what's happening. Like if you're mentally aware of what's what you're experiencing, it makes it a little easier to manage those emotions. And then just continuing active aftercare, discussing things with your sub or your top, and just you know checking in. No, so letting the sub or the dom know that. This is temporary and it will pass. Mm-hmm. I I also think one of the things, of course, like for the scene, like the, the dom and the sub should be communicating and should be there for each other. But I also think that it's important to have other individuals that you can reach out to, particularly if you both are feeling it very heavy the next day you won't be the best resource for each other if y'all are both really spent and going through a rough time. So having other people that you can can turn to is important. An aftercare buddy. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'd like to switch gears again and talk a little bit about the spiritual aspects of BDSM because often we overlook the spiritual. And the spiritual can be very powerful. In ancient Greek society, people went to theater and the audience was a lot more active than our modern day audience. During a tragedy, they would pound the floor, they'd beat their chest, they'd pull their hair out, they'd wail and really get into this unfolding tragedy and just experience it fully. And the ancient Greeks had a word for this process. They called it reaching catharsis. And oftentimes in our culture, we're taught to stuff away negative feelings. Well, catharsis is how we let the negative feelings come out and kind of get rid of them. You don't want to keep all that stuff bottled up inside. Mm -hmm. It's not healthy. And so by reaching catharsis, you're unplugging all that negative stuff and letting it flow out. I think it's an important healing mm -hmm. and spiritual process, which is part of the BDSM scene. Mm -hmm. Because we reach this level of acting and role-playing, and we're going through this process of really playing with some pretty strong emotions and letting them experience through the experience, letting them flow out, expressing them. Mm -hmm. And so it can be a very healing process. I believe the body holds on to, has its own memory mm -hmm. of, from the past. And by going through the process of catharsis, we're releasing a lot of that negative energy that we sometimes store up in our bodies. Oh, I agree. And one thing to remember is everyone's process is different. And the way that you connect with these things is going to be a personal journey. And there might be some similarities between yours and someone else's, but it's never going to be exactly the same. And it doesn't have to look the same for you as it does for your sub. And learning from each other and having philosophical conversations about like what you're doing afterwards and learn to, to really appreciate like the differences that you have in perspective and be open to other new perspectives because you never know when someone is going to say something that's going to catch in your head just right and completely shift like how you see things and mm -hmm. dynamics and things like that. Mm -hmm. Another area that I find really amazing is when we do a scene, we're experiencing things not just on a physical level, but we're going on a journey in internally. And I know that for every religion known to man, there's been a subset of followers that practice some form of BDSM, whether they call it that or not, to reach spiritual enlightenment. And it's really fascinating. Some go into fasting or going on journeys carrying heavy weights or sometimes they wear certain articles of clothing that irritate the body and mm -hmm. do all kinds of different things to reach spiritual enlightenment, to really get a feeling of the divine. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, part of it's kind of a mystery. But part of it is I've had experiences in my journeys, and both as a dom and as a submissive, where I've had spiritual moments where just enlightenment occurred. It's hard to put into words, but I've actually had out-of-body experiences. So it can be powerful stuff. Have y'all 
what kind of spiritual aspects have y'all experienced? So I, a, a lot of my spirituality is wrapped up in my emotions and uh, through BDSM, I've been able to regulate my emotions a lot more. I've been able to really open my heart and also through the process of catharsis, like get rid of like a lot of deep, deep darkness and like, like confront my trauma head on. And for me, a lot of it is about making myself more like whole, more pure and, and learning how I tick. And I find a lot of spiritual significance in that. I personally don't subscribe to spirituality very much, but I think there's uh, a lot of value in doing scenes and BSM in general. And it's just the connections that you make with someone when you do scenes, it's just something you can't really do any other way. And I think it's a very intimate experience that you just can't get anywhere else. And it also can provide like a very specific kind of catharsis for <laughs> your emotions. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to kind of clarify because often we get in our language, we kind of imply that spiritual is religious and I'm not religious. <laughs> I do believe that we are energy beings within a physical form. And whatever that energy being is, is spirit, what I would call spirit. And when I say spiritual, I'm t referring, in my definition, I'm referring to the energy being within and how we're working with that energy. Because sex and BDSM is powerful energy activities, energy workings. So I like to kind of open the the mind not so much to religious concepts of spirit, but more to energy as spirit. And I like to clarify that stuff because often religion is really kind of tainted the whole concept of spirituality. They've dogmatized it or made it too rigid. And I like a more flowing uh, spiritual life, not mm -hmm. something that's full of a lot of restrictions, but that's actually freeing. Any last thoughts before we end the show? I think to, to wrap things up, as long as you communicate well, and you do your scenes with intention, and you take time to give yourself rest and breaks and uh, space to heal. I think that it, being like do, doing dom work can be really, really healthy and really, really freeing. <laughs> okay. Damien, any last thoughts? Yeah, I think it's important to be open to new information and just keep the mindset of being a learner. Whether you've been doing this for a few months or several years, just be open to new information and new experiences. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this a long time and I'm still learning as I go. It's a journey, and it's like many things in life. There's always more. The more I learn, the more I realize I don't know hardly anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm learning, but there's so much more to learn. So with that, have a good night. Enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Pleasure yourself or get into some pain play. That can be a different type of 
pleasure. I mean, erotic pain is different from like stubbing your toe type pain. It can be so amazing and take you to so many awesome places inside. Have a good night. Good night. Sweet dreams. <laughs> I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual. <laughs>